Welcome to the Unstoppable Grit Podcast, where we dive into the mindset shifts and practical tools to help you break through the roadblocks standing between you and achieving your goals. I'm your host, Danielle Kobo, a former Fortune 500 senior sales manager who spent 15 years in the medical device industry and now the best-selling author of the book, Unstoppable Grit. Think of this podcast as your go-to source for career advice and burnout prevention strategies to help you build a career and life you love. Now let's get started. Have you felt burnt out as if you're simply just going through the motions? Perhaps you're experiencing challenges in your life and would like clarity on what to do next. In this episode, focusologist and TEDx speaker Penny Zanker shares her three-step process to overcome challenges and build resilience. Penny, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. You and I have been friends for about a year now. We're part of the National Speaker Association. You've written a book, but tell our listeners a little bit about your background and what led you to where you're at today. Sure. I call myself the focusologist. So that gives you a little bit about where I consider my expertise to be. And basically the expertise that I've built up over the years is really about constantly brought me back to focusing on what matters most and what moves the needle, how to avoid those distractions that get in our way and get out of our own way. And real quick, I had my own technology business and that was sort of my first real, how do we make things better and how do we help people to spend more time focusing on the more intellectual type of work, right? And be automating the other type of work. And then that kind of morphed into a large organization and was in leadership there. So it morphed into bigger initiatives with technology, but also leadership in the context of how do we help others to focus on what matters most given what we're working towards. And then I got into coaching, which then takes it as how do I help organizations and work with the top leaders of the organizations to do that. And it's so important when you're talking about leading a team and helping others focus on the priorities, because often I will see, I spent most of my career in medical sales and often some of the sales representatives that were hitting burnout, it wasn't that they weren't successful. It wasn't that they weren't fully capable of doing the job. It just happened to be that they were probably focusing on some of the priorities or some of the activities that may not be leading to revenue generating priorities. There's an opportunity to shift a little bit. And when they did and they learned what were the priorities that would support them in achieving their sales, that's when they started to flourish. So as you said, it's so important to ensure that we are working with our team members and so that they don't burn out. Totally. I used to see that all the time is If we would do a little time audit, that was one of the things I would do in the beginning, just to give people some awareness of where are they really spending their time and their energy. And for salespeople, especially, right, they should be focused on sales. And when they looked at it, it was like the lowest area that they actually spent time on. It was such an aha for them. Like, oh my God, no wonder I'm not hitting my goals or I'm feeling burnt out. It's because I'm spending four hours everywhere else to every hour that I spend selling or something like that. Yeah, definitely. Well, you've overcome some challenges in your life. Is there a particular time period or point in your life where you felt like you had like a roadblock or an obstacle? And what did you do to overcome it? Roadblock and obstacle would be an understatement for, I think it would be more like a huge mountain or whatever that I had to get over. So for me, it was a multitude of things that happened at once. So it was 2008. 
And it started out the year by me being invited by my husband after being married for 16 years for a divorce. My kids were only one in three at the time. So like you've got young kids, my whole world was turned upside down. I didn't see it coming, not to go into the details, but it was something that I took very personally. So then we still have to work. We still have to show up every day. And so in the process of me doing my best to compartmentalize things and show up at my best, I was working on the executive team at this market research company and the division that I was running headquarters had made a deal with a competitor and had traded it and we had no say. And we all the whole executive team was going to lose their jobs as a result of that. And we had to implement it, right? Here's the gift. We're taking your job away and you get to implement this locally and make sure as many people get taken over to the new company as possible. So right there, it was like, whoa, you know, hit me while I'm down. And then just at that same time, when I found out I was going to be losing my job in a couple months, we found out we were invested with Bernie Madoff, which was a Ponzi scheme. And so... The savings that we had were completely wiped out. Divorce in itself is ripping apart your finances. And then to make matters worse, I know I'm maybe extending this, but this was the magnitude of what happened in 2008. My mentor, my boss, and my dear friend died in a freak accident. So needless to say, I've never had a time in my life that was so crazy emotional that required me at each turn to look for whatever grit. You know, I know this podcast is about grit. Where do you find your grit so that you can show up for yourself and for the others, your team and for your family in the way that best represents who you want to be, not who you can easily be taken into and hijacked. I can imagine it was probably very demotivating when you're told to implement a particular project, knowing that you've been let go, that the jobs are being eliminated. And on top of that, everything that was going on in your personal life, it's really hard to show up as your best self when it feels like your life is sometimes crumbling in those moments. Absolutely. Right. And you just feel like crawling into a little ball and staying there and hoping that nobody needs anything from you. So it was extremely difficult time. And I could have just given up at work and been like, you know what, this is all just too much and I'm out of here. But That might have felt like what was good to do, but it wasn't right. And it wasn't going to support the people that needed. I did have something I could control and I did have an influence on who was able to be moved over to the new company. And so in those difficult times, the part that we have to compartmentalize is to get really clear on what we can control and let go of what is out of our control. And that is not easy. I believe it's actually an important part of grit. Absolutely. There's so many times where I have seen colleagues and people within the workforce and even in their personal life, they'll continue to focus on the things that are out of their control. And then that only spirals into more frustration and irritability and anger because you feel helpless. You feel stuck because you're focusing on the areas that you can't control. Exactly. It does. It creates that hopelessness, that stress, that overwhelm. And really, look at it in a different scale without all of those things happening, that's what people are experiencing with burnout. It's because there's so much time, energy, and effort that are being placed in areas that are outside of our control. And that's why it's leading to burnout. Yeah, absolutely. So what steps did you take to overcome these challenges that you've experienced? I mean, you were experiencing 
challenges at home and your personal life and then at work with and finances. It, it was coming in all areas of your life. What steps did you take to come out of that? And now where you're at now, where you're a successful speaker, you're an author, you're a podcast host. I mean, you've definitely overcome a lot and you're very successful now. Well, thank you. (laughs) And I believe I'm going to share with you what I've come to realize over these past years. I've asked myself, what is it that I did? How do I teach this to others? And that's actually what my new book is coming out around is what I did was very, very simple is... I relied on reset moments. And very often when people hear that term, reset moments, they might think of that big thing that happens that we go, aha, or oh no, or you know, whatever, then changes that big pivotal moment that changes the way that we show up. But these moments are available to us every day, multiple times a day, right? We can take them. We don't have to wait until the big burnouts or the breakdowns in order to get that aha or oh no, or oh duh. So that's what I did. And I would just take more moments to stop. And what triggers in a reset moment is a three-step reset practice. And that's very simple to get, to step back, right? Step back away from the emotion and from the bias and the way that you're looking at things and try to become a little bit more objective. I know it's not easy, right? And there's been many times where sometimes you also have to let yourself feel it, but then you have to say, okay, what's really going on? And get yourself back into an emotionally controlled place. So step back is number one. Step two is to get perspective. I could easily get triggered by my ex and some of the things that happening in the situation or triggered at work with something that I'm doing in the implementation that seems fruitless or things that I can't share with people. But in those moments, that's when I need to get perspective. What am I really working towards? And what are my options here? What's my best choice, my best way forward, right? This is how we can choose to focus on what matters most is to really get that perspective. And then the last thing that I did in the third item was to realign. It's just, okay, now that I've gotten some perspective, maybe I was heading down the wrong path. Maybe I was about to say something or do something that would actually cause more pain for myself or for someone else. Let me realign with what's best for the person who's on the other side of this or for the organization or for my kids. And so I realized it was all of those reset moments that built up together like stepping stones, right? That every one of them helped me to feel more in control at a time when I was completely out of control. I would imagine that that's a very beneficial process too, when somebody else might be out of control. There's so often where I have this phrase, it's hurt people. Mm-hmm. And so often you'll see a coworker and all of a sudden they'll lash at, at you for, and you're wondering why is this person getting so angry or frustrated or mad at something so insignificant at what we believe to be so insignificant. Right. But as you say, take a step back, remove our own emotions for a second, approach it in an objective way. See if there's possibly asking those questions. How are you doing? What's going on? Is there anything going on in your personal life that I can support you with? And helping them and yourself being in alignment together because I see it so often where somebody is going through something and I can only imagine everything that you're going through, it would have been easy to just let that flow into work and go at somebody else. Absolutely. And so, yeah, I didn't just use it for myself. I used it also to lead my team. I see this reset practice and these reset moments 
as I'm talking to organizations about how to implement it in their organization as a leadership strategy. Because also think about it, it's not just, there's so much more to it. Resetting is can be a time management strategy to direct our priorities, but it can also be that leadership strategy to help to delegate effectively and give people more autonomy and direction. It can be an innovation strategy so that we open up to new ways of doing things and new voices. It can be that communication strategy about how do we better connect and understand and have more empathy for one another. And lastly, it's a resiliency strategy to allow us to let go of the things that we can't control. So to me, I just kind of came to this epiphany, like, oh my God, this is what I've been doing my whole life. And I've been using like bits and bits of this language. And I just realized as it all came together, it makes total sense. I would imagine you probably came to this realization because you took a step back and started to look at your life objectively (laughs) and said, why, how is it that I've been able to get through some of these challenges? What steps did I take? And it's because of that objective and taking that step back and looking at things objectively. That's how you were able to discover this process. Absolutely. It's become a part of who I am. And I believe it to be sort of my superpower. So as we have superpowers that we can share with others, that's what we want to do is is share it and make sure that other people can take the benefit from it as well. Are you feeling burnt out and overwhelmed? Want to advance your career or find a new job? Maybe you want to build an impactful and profitable business. I left a highly successful Fortune 500 sales career to help people develop the grit, resilience, and courage necessary to thrive in a complex and changing market. In the show notes, you will find free workbooks with tips and strategies for attracting your dream job, advancing your career, preventing burnout, and building a business. Take advantage of your free workbook by downloading it now. So you've seen this work in your life and you've seen this process work in others. What advice would you give to our listeners today who may be experiencing some challenges, both professionally and personally? What can they do? Well, that's why this practice and this process is so easy is is just look for ways to build in more reset moments. I mean, planned reset moments. So maybe the first thing that you do when you get up in the morning, and we have these practices, by the way, that we already are doing. So how do we take more advantage of them? And how do we build a few more in? So maybe somebody already wakes up in the morning and goes for a walk. Fantastic, right? What else could you do with that reset moment? Maybe as you go for a walk, you could set an intention for the day and how you want to show up. That can amplify that reset moment that you're already taking. And maybe you got into a habit where you're working through lunch and you're not taking reset moments that you need to. So it's time to take back your lunch and create a reset moment at lunchtime. Or maybe it's a great suggestion throughout the day. If you're planning meetings, it's time to reduce the time of meetings. Back-to-back meetings are killing us. And it's also preventing us from resetting, from thinking, from closing down one topic and into another because we're Now we don't even have the opportunity to run to the bathroom. We have to click a button, right? It's not going to another conference room or anything like that. So we cut it so close. So we could do our meetings in 45 minutes and give everybody the advantage of 15 minutes to reset in that period. And there's been some recent studies that came out that showed the brain scans of people and the difference of them going from meeting to meeting and how that's created so much stress versus having some time in between. So Where can you have more planned ones? But then also, where are the situational ones? So like you said, somebody says something odd and they snap at you. It's an opportunity for a situational reset moment for you to think about, okay, this isn't personal. 
So before you respond, you can recognize, oh, this person's not normally like this, right? And it can happen in a split second. And then just give them the benefit of the doubt and maybe even say, hey, could we take a reset moment? I hear some frustration and I just want to make sure that we're aligned with the next step or whatever you might say. But why not create a language in the organization that helps you to put in these situational reset moments? Okay, there's two steps you had shared with us where I was thinking those moments of taking a step back and thinking in our own lives how these reset moments are taking place. We may not even realize. Right. And you said in the morning, you go for a walk and it sets the intention of your day. And one of the steps that I've been taking is trying to leave my cell phone at home because so often we will go for walks and we'll Mm. be on our phone instead of using that time to reset and set the intention of our day and enjoy the beauty of our walks. I was reading a study the other day that said, in the moments of silence is when our creativity happens. It's when we don't have the distractions, which is why often we come up with our best ideas in the shower. Totally. It's so true. It's when I come up with my writing ideas. And the other moment that you talked about as a reset moment, I didn't even necessarily realize sometimes is when my twin boys were first born, I don't know if you experienced this, but they had the witching hour. It's common known as the witching hour. So it was between three and five. It was just a time where they were agitated, they would cry a lot. It's just, yeah, if you ever Google the witching hour, it's pretty common. So that was a time that I always went for a walk and I would take them for a walk and get them outside and it seemed to help. But then what I found and I realized through those moments is it also helped me reset Hmm. because the days that I go from work and then immediately come home and it's homework and making dinner and continuing to go on with just the day-to-day tasks, it feels like my life is mundane. It feels overwhelming. It feels stressful. But when I take a moment to just go on a 30-minute walk with my kids, it helps me reset Mm -hmm. and close the chapter on work that day, reset and open up the chapter of spending time with my family. So I love these reset moments. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I'm not like this is in brain surgery, but I think that It puts it in a way that makes it sticky that we can remember it. And that's all we need is we know what to do, but we don't do what we know. So if we could just do a little bit more of what we already are doing and know what to do, it'll open up everything. And I wanted to say something to your go out and take a walk in the reset effect there. One of the things that's been happening over the years is that our transitions have been eroding right? So what you're doing by going for a walk, even though it's the witching hour, but let's say it's also after work or is we're creating transitions that got taken away. Like I said, our meetings are back to back because, and we don't even walk to another room. Transition has been gone, right? We don't have the commute anymore. It's another transition that has been eliminated. So we have to add them back. We were used to having them in peaceful transitions, right? So it used to be way back when, certainly before my time. So that means way before your time, When somebody would leave work, there were no cell phones. So they were not in the car on the phone, looking at work, thinking about work. They were transitioning. They were really resetting. Maybe listening to the radio. That's the only thing that was available to them, right? And music is a great reset and a great transition. And so that's it. We need to take back those transitions. I kind of miss the days. I mean, I love the fact that I have a cell phone. There's accessibility there, especially in emergencies. Everything's at our fingertips. And at the same time, there is an element that I do miss before we had cell phones. 
and I didn't feel like everybody could get a hold of me at any given time, nor had the expectation for me to respond right away. Yeah, a lot of times people will say, well, didn't you see my text message or you didn't respond to my text message? And I say, yeah, because I was out with a walk with my kids or between the hours of 4.30 and 7.30, I try to leave my phone in another room so I can be present in the moment with my family and have those reset moments. So I kind of miss the days of no cell phones. Yeah, I know I hear you, but it's also okay to set that boundary. And let that be someone else's expectation. They're going to need to shift their expectations. The the phone has definitely become a weapon of mass distraction. And we have to set boundaries and we have to, if we change our expectations of the response times and stop the false urgencies, perhaps we'll be able to set the example for those in our lives as well. Okay, I want to add that to that one too, because for our listeners out there, We've gotten also in that expectation of responding to emails right away. And then what happens is we're responding to emails at all hours of the day. And one of the commitments that when I was working in corporate and all of us managers had gotten to a point where we felt so burnt out and we had an hour conversation of how we felt burnt out and we made a commitment to each other to not send emails past six o'clock so that no one felt tempted to respond, Mm. nor did we hear that dinging noise in the background. It changed our Mm. burnout. It was one of the most impactful changes that we made and it helped lead to these reset moments. Right. So I know that we don't have much time left, but why aren't organizations, some organizations have started putting things in place to hold emails Why aren't organizations taking more responsibility, understanding that their people are burning out and it's actually affecting their productivity for the organizational objective? So I think it's time that the organization, the individual has to take responsibility. I'm certainly not saying that it's all on the organization, but I'm suggesting that both sides, that organizations can do more to support their people in recognizing those little things, like you said, of stopping emails or coming up with some common language and common response times and things like that to give people a break and to set appropriate expectations. Well said. That goes back to what you were saying. Take what we can control and then also from our own perspective and our own actions, and then also encourage the organization to do that as well. Well, thank you so much, Penny, for joining the podcast. You gave some valuable advice on how we can reset and use those opportunities to develop those three-step process to develop grit. So I really appreciate you joining the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Unstoppable Grit podcast with Danielle Cobo. If you found today's episode resonating and inspiring, kindly take a moment to craft a review. Your review holds the potential for Apple and Spotify to share the Unstoppable Grit podcast with others. Furthermore, consider extending the ripple effect by sharing this episode with those around you, family, friends, colleagues, and anyone who could benefit from the insights and stories shared here. Also, be sure to visit daniellecobo.com for more resources on cultivating resilience and unleashing your inner grit. We'll be back soon with another empowering episode. Until then, be unstoppable.